Hello and welcome. I'm your host Majid, a member of the Integrated AWB Nighthawk group, and today we're going to be taking a stronger look at Canada during the time of the Cold War. They were actually in an awkward dilemma during this time, because they didn't know multiple things, such as how much to get involved in the war, what relations to have, and what communism would mean for the world in general overall. They were kind of a third wheel to the US in a way, and their relations with the US only complicated things further in the war overall as well. Being known as Canada, uh, being known as the US's best friend complicated things because Canada did not know whether to stay allied to the US or if they should try to maintain a somewhat friendly relationship with the Soviets. And as we'll talk discuss later on in this podcast, the Soviets were actually looked up to to a degree by the Canadians until a certain event happens. So hopefully by the end of this, we as historians should be able to orally discuss the policies and uh, both domestically and foreign implemented by Canada. And we want to be able to examine Canada's position during the time of the war and what they participated in. I feel very awkward right now, but I'm going to do this podcast anyways. All right, so let's start off by talking about some of the policies of Canada. So they were somewhat mixed uh, in that they tried to keep good relations with the U.S., but they also had to balance the fact that they did not want to upset the Soviets. They never actually had any bad relations with them. And the last thing the U uh, Canada wanted to do was actually get them more upset, especially considering the fact that they actually did not have a bad view of the Soviets before the uh, communist threat started to occur in the Western world. The only reason why they actually really participated was uh, almost because of peer pressure and that a lot of the Western world countries were forcing Canada, especially the United States, to actually participate. The United States wanted um, Canada to join the OAS, or Organization of States, and Canada declined. So they were holding some independent values, but they did help the U.S. in many other uh, situations during this time, and they did participate a lot in troops. So uh, the Secretary of State during this time, and he actually ends up becoming the Prime Minister of Canada later, was Lester B. Pearson, who was actually known for being soft on communism. And this actually ended up being used against him. So, uh, you know, the definition of soft on communism wasn't saying actually that he was allowing communism or that he was in favor of it, but rather that he just didn't take as a radical of an approach as other people. So, uh, you know, an example of this being uh, he was asked actually by someone uh, on whether he believed in like the death over communism policy and that, you know, the, the country was willing to like sacrifice soldiers essentially or like people to actually end communism. And he actually refused to agree with this. So, um, again, it's not that he actually was pro-communist or anything like that, but it's just that he didn't have nearly as radical approaches like the U.S., for example, who was sending uh, military throughout the entire world. He believed it to be a threat to democracy and Canada really just didn't have the same kind of ideology. So, uh, Lester B. Pearson, you know, he was uh, definitely more on the soft side when we're regarding it in this way, but uh, it's still important to understand that he was anti-communist. So, uh, yeah, um, Canada, however, did fight uh, strongly alongside its allies throughout, you know, all this time. And, uh, you know, they still participate in a lot, like I said, with like the war in Egypt, for example, and stuff. Uh, and... But, you know, the, the biggest problem really came down to how much they want to support the U.S. and how much they want to, uh, like, you know, join in on their policies. The U.S. was constantly forcing the, uh, or sorry, pressuring, um, I should say is a better word, Canada to try and actually, like, participate 
more in the war. I know that Canada actually did send some troops uh, to places besides Egypt to try and actually con uh, stop communism, you know. But a lot of this was more just, again, pure pressure rather than Canada's own decisions. So, um, you know, Canada, in a sense, wasn't actually fully anti-communist, as we might explain. In fact, uh, so what we were saying in the beginning of them being fond of Soviets, they actually looked up to them in that in like their independence in a way. Um, and the only reason why they really decided to hold an anti-communist stance after a certain period of time was because they actually found that a uh, there there was uh, leaks by uh, uh, a man named uh, Gozenko, and he was actually uh, charged by the Soviets for treason, essentially, because uh, he was a um, he was a member of the Soviet embassy who actually leaked spy documents to uh, Canada. And they actually proved that there was a Soviet spy ring hiding in Canada, which they were obviously not fond of. And this brought about the Red Scare, which is similar to McCarthyism in the United States in that there was just a large fear of communism within the country. And, uh, you know, it was all brought about by the Soviet spy ring that they actually found to be true due to Gozenko and his leaked uh, documents from the Soviet embassy. So, you know, uh, this was arguably the biggest reason why Canada really decided to join in on the Cold War. Because actually, as we're going to talk about more throughout um, this podcast, Canada, even, you know, while they were participating, they weren't necessarily always trying to uh, do everything the U.S. said. And they actually showed a lot of independence in a way, in this sense, because uh, they were like deciding to reject things that the U.S. told them to do, like, again, join the OAS. And uh, like, you know, just they had a, they, there was an increase in military spending to uh, over a billion dollars which was much higher than like around the $400 million uh, previously spent by Canada before the Cold War. But it wasn't nearly as much as, again, any of the other uh, Western countries, primarily the United States. So, I mean, I don't know. If you ask me, I feel like Canada did a pretty good job of like uh, staying out of the way of uh, United States like actions and stuff, for example. You know, uh, they didn't like kind of stay completely out of the way. And be sure to Canada's credit, it's kind of hard to when you're that close to such a powerful country. But I think that overall, Canada uh, did a good job of like trying to stay relatively away from all the chaos really that was going on. Uh, with that being said, though, uh, there was actually another big action uh, done by Canada when it comes to like agreeing with the United States, I guess we should say. And that um, the uh, uh, Diefenbaker, I believe was his name, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But he accepted NORAD, which is essentially an anti-missile uh, system. And, um, you know, it was, like, helpful for things like, you know, anti-missiles, obviously, and, like, anti-nuke, if it ever came to that situation. Uh, and there wasn't really any problem. Canada never really had a problem with this. Um, but the problem was that Duncan Baker actually allowed it to be...
Uh, so we're just going to take a little interlude here, and when we come back, hopefully we're going to continue to talk about uh, Canada and its domestic policies, since we uh, just brushed up on that right now. And then I also want to talk more about um, some of more specific actions that Canada actually did during this time, and then hopefully we should be able to create an analysis uh, that, you know, and I'll, I'll give you my insight on what I think, everything 
uh, had to do with each other, you know, like it ended up being involved and such. So uh, we're going to take a little break right here and I'll see you back soon. So we are back after that interlude. And uh, like I said that, uh, before the interlude, that we were going to be talking more about Canada and their policies and everything that they did, you know. So uh, the first part, I may have been making it sound a lot like uh, Canada was completely in the United States or independent, sorry, that uh, they had no intervention. But that's actually not completely true. A prime example being NATO, which, which is the uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Canada was actually a founding member of this. Now, what NATO is, is basically just um, kind of like what the name implies, like a treaty. Uh, this uh, organization, however, wasn't more of an like aggressive tactic like the U.S. may have been implementing, like the organization. Uh, now, the only reason why I mentioned this is just because uh, they they made this just because they felt like they had to. It wasn't uh, a big policy and it wasn't an intersection policy or anything. It was mainly just for defense, but it was uh, made due to the pressure put on by the U.S. and the whole scare. And uh, keeping this in mind, I just feel like overall this summarizes Canada's like policies during the time completely in that they were just like uh, inter intervening to an extent, but they weren't like fully getting involved like the U.S. was. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, NATO is what I would expect Canada to do. It's what I feel like uh, reading up on them initially and, like, uh, understanding the situation between the United States and the Soviets and stuff. I feel like NATO and its defensive precautions are the most natural move for Canada. Uh, and I also personally think that it was the right one and that it's, like, getting them at least uh, involved that they have to. But they are still taking, like, necessary measurements to make sure that if something that, you know, doesn't happen that they are at least, like, prepared for it, you know? So I I actually like the implementation of NATO uh, and the way Canada did it. And so, yeah, just looking back at uh, Canada's, like, previous admiration in a way to the Soviets and, like, the, their foreign and domestic policies and, like, showing that they want to focus more on those social issues at home, I feel like not NATO was, like, the move that made the most sense at the time, for them at least. An example of Canadian, uh, Canadian independence that I actually found really interesting, though, is uh, actually when the U.S. decided to stop, um, uh, when they decided to withdraw from, from Cuban trade after, like, Castro really took power and decided that he was going to side with the Soviets, Canada actually saw this as an opportunity and actually jumped in to uh, begin uh, becoming their trading partner, which almost sounds a little bit evil in a way, you know, like, kind of, uh, kind of just like saying, oh, okay, you're done with that, I'm just going to use it. But uh, economically, it makes sense because, you know, Canada having another trading partner would be nice. And then since the U.S. is no longer trading with Cuba, it opens up the doors for Canada and, uh, you know, that they can become a much more primary source uh, for, like, Cuba in terms of, like, resources and, you know, like, all, all goods, you know. And uh, it, it overall, just, I think, makes sense for Canada to do so. You know, during this time, they were also, like, had to spend a lot more money on war. All right, and now we're going to be moving on to our final topic, which is essentially 
the most controversial and I think what the most interesting at the same time is the uh, addition of NORAD, the NORAD system by Diamond Baker to stop missile threats, you know. Uh, so essentially NORAD is just like an anti-missile uh, system that, you know, the U.S. had and they want to put uh, in Canada as well, which wasn't a big problem. So yeah, problem. that's my podcast. Thanks for listening. The problem came when um, the U.S. also wanted to start putting missiles and and like weaponry essentially in Canada and uh, Diffin Baker actually allowed this and this caused, caused a lot of controversy uh, within Canada because a lot of people weren't comfortable with allowing this and they said that putting nukes uh, onto uh, Canadian soil would actually like make them more of a target so this was a big point of controversy and the what I find so interesting about this is it it's strikingly similar in my opinion to the, the Cuban Missile Crisis and that uh, it's you know it's like the feet getting another country involved by putting your weapons in it and stuff like that, then that country ends up becoming a prime target as well. And it caused a lot of uproar. So it's, it's, it seems almost hypocritical in a way uh, to me that the United States uh, wanted to put like such systems and weaponry into Canada, you know, when they uh, reacted so aggressively when, when Russia tried doing it with Canada. Um, and, and it's just really, that, that point just really sticks out to me because I kind of feel like it summarizes the, the whole of Canada and this war and that they, they were they were a tag along, you know. They did their own things, same as Cuba and stuff like that, but at the end of the day they were kind of just like uh being pulled by the tail by the United States and I feel like Cuba was the same way with the Soviets. Not trying to make it uh not trying to make it sound like a negative connotation like Canada was just like doing everything for the United States, but rather just that they were uh at the mercy uh of the United States. Like I remember uh, you know, like there's the the quote, like uh, the Canadian prime minister previously, he said that the bordering the United States is like sleeping with the elephant. You know, everything the elephant does affects you in some way. And it, I, I think that that quote is also just like a really good representation of Canada during the time of the Cold War. And that just they were they were influenced by everything the United States did, whether they liked it or not. Even if Canada wasn't one doing the action directly, they were going to end up being uh, there, were, there was going to be something that was going to happen by anything the U.S. did. And, uh, whether it be voluntary or involuntary, Canada ended up having an effect in it as well. So uh, that's my podcast, guys. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, I think Canada was actually a very interesting country, again, due to the fact that like they didn't know themselves what to do. It kind of felt like going back and forth between should I, should I do this, should I not, should I allow this, should I not. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my podcast. Uh, Canada's is pretty interesting, you know. Definitely happy I didn't do United States. I would have taken 18 times longer uh, to, like, actually say anything meaningful. Uh, and, and, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, Lester B. Pearson, who was the secretary, uh, I, I just want to say this really quick. Uh, he ended up becoming prime minister later, which was pretty cool, I guess. Um, but Trudeau was the final prime minister before the Cold War ended. And, uh, yeah, for those of you guys who want to know that, there you go. So, thank you for listening to my podcast, and uh, have a good day.